This is the AuthorBiz Podcast with Stephen Campbell, session number one. Welcome to the AuthorBiz Podcast. I'm Stephen Campbell, and each week I'll bring you interviews, information, and insights focused on the business of being an author. You can find the episode show notes, links to everything mentioned in the show, and lots more information at theauthorbiz.com. Hello, and thanks for joining us for the inaugural episode of The Author Biz. Today is Monday, June 30th, and I'm coming to you from Naples, Florida, a sun-drenched, and at least during the summer, steamy city on the southwest coast of Florida. For those who don't know, Naples is the home of a couple of pretty famous authors, Janet Ivanovich and Robin Cook. We've got a number of other well-known authors that live in town, either part-time or full-time as well. My name is Stephen Campbell, and I'm not one of those famous authors, but many of my guests uh, on the podcast will be. I spent most of my career in the technology business, uh, the first seven learning the technology business, and then the next 23 launching and running my own small businesses. I've been a voracious reader my entire life, in my late 50s decided I wanted to try my hand at writing. I've written several manuscripts and I'm currently working on what I hope will be my first published novel. But this show's not about me, it's about you, the listener. Whether you're an already successful author trying to navigate your way through the changing world of publishing or someone trying to understand what it's going to take to join the ranks of the successful author, I hope you'll join us each Monday as we explore the world of the author biz. Yes, being an author is about being an artist. It's about being the best writer you can possibly be. But it's also about being a business person. It's being the CEO of your own small business. To be successful, you'll need business knowledge and skills that go well beyond the craft of writing. We'll spend time talking about craft and books on this podcast, but our primary focus is business. We'll discuss the details of running a small business, growing different income streams, dealing with the crush of marketing responsibilities and social media, managing your support teams, dealing with agents and publishers, negotiating contracts, and anything else you'd like us to cover. If there are areas you'd like to understand better, there are probably thousands of others who need the same information. If you have ideas for guests or show topics, you can reach me through the website, www.theauthorbiz.com, or through email at authorbiz at gmail.com. There's also a show page on Facebook called The Author Biz. And if you're a Twitter user, you can find me there as well. I'm at Steve Campbell FL, FL for Florida. My initial plan is to begin each show with a short news segment and then get on with the interview portion of the show. My guest this week is Joseph Bedell, a man with an in-depth big business background who is working hard to translate the skills he learned in that business to his new small business as an author. But as you hear in this short clip before we get to the news, that didn't go as smoothly as he might have hoped. You know, when I first um, decided I would like to get a, a book published and I started that process of going to conferences and meeting agents and and so forth um, I I leaped at the first opportunity that, uh, that when an agent said geez I think I'd like to represent you I thought this is great I and I, I did almost no due diligence at all about that agent well I, um, I I discovered very quickly that unlike the the methods that I employed whenever I hired a, a, a vendor uh, in my finance career, we would go through an, our uh, request for proposal process. We would interview multiple 
uh, applicants, and we would pick the one that we thought was the best. Well, I completely ignored all of that that uh, that I'd learned in my previous life, and leaped at the first opportunity. And it turned out that that was not a good match. In this week's news that affects authors section, we've got three quick items. Last week, Barnes & Noble announced that they would be splitting out their Nook division. A few years ago, the Nook division was what many people thought would be the savior of, of the Barnes & Noble chain. But this move is an indication that they no longer believe that's possible. The stock market saw this as a positive. The stock was up 14% since the announcement, and it's been up 56% for, for the year so far. So it's Investors seem to think that Barnes & Noble is doing better now. As uh, a Barnes & Noble customer, I'm not sure that's the case, but uh, we'll see. What will remain of Barnes & Noble after the divestiture, which is scheduled to take place in 2015, is their current group of 661 bookstores and their website. One issue that just continues to linger on in the news is the dispute between Amazon and Hachette. Obviously, the people most hurt by these intense negotiations are the Hachette authors. One specific example that Digital Book World mentioned last week was The Silkworm, the new book by Robert Galbraith, which is actually a pseudonym, as you probably know, for J.K. Rowling. That book opened at number 30 on the Digital Book World bestseller list. According to them, it would have opened at number 6 if pre-orders had been available. It's a pretty big difference. In other news, Bookstats released their sales information for 2013. The overall U.S. book and journal publishing industry generated $27 billion in revenue last year. Uh, one piece of news that got a great deal of attention was the fact that ebook sales were flat. But digging into the release a little bit showed that they only included ebook sales that had ISBN numbers. Since Apple did away with the requirement for digital books to have ISBN numbers, there have been a lot of books that have been published over the course of the last year that didn't include them, and those numbers are not included in these stats. So most likely, the digital book sales were not flat last year. They were up, but they're just not being reported that way. Prices on the digital book world top 25 for the last week ranged from $19.99 for George R. Martin's Game of Thrones five-book box set to two separate books selling for $1.99. 24 of the top 25 spots were taken by Big Five publishers. The only exception was number 16, a book called The Arrangement. It was episode or issue number 15, I guess, by H.M. Ward. It's a new adult series, and it's priced at $2.99. That series is selling like gangbusters. The average price on the... DBW bestseller list for last week was $7.37. My interview guest this week is author and businessman Joseph Bedell. Joe came to the writing world later in life after a long and successful career in business. He was a high-level executive and director at a publicly traded finance business and helped to drive revenues for his division from $400 million to $5.5 billion before he retired to pursue a writing career. In this interview, we'll talk about how he translates his knowledge of business at the highest levels to his new career running a small business as an author. I spoke with Joe via Skype on Friday morning, June 27th, 
and started the interview by asking him about his latest book, a thriller titled Ultimate Betrayal. Uh, Steve, thank you, first of all, for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to be with you again. Um, Ultimate Betrayal is my seventh book, and it's a standalone thriller. And as with uh, all of my uh, books, uh, it really is fundamentally a story about the triumph of good over evil and uh, about what an everyday person, an, an ordinary person, can do when faced with extraordinary obstacles. My hero, David Hood, in, in Ultimate Betrayal, is, again, a just an everyday uh, person, and, and in effect he turns into an everyday hero because of his uh, willingness to uh, combat uh, obstacles and, uh, that, that he's confronted with. And this book is actually based on some experiences that you had back during the time of the Vietnam War. It is, uh, although I brought the backstory forward to the war in Afghanistan, because if my hero had served in Vietnam, instead of leaping over fences, he'd be crashing and falling over <laughs> fences. So it'd be a little bit too long in the tooth to be, <laughs> to be able to do the things that he does in uh, Ultimate Betrayal. Is that another way of saying he'd be your age? Uh, well, thanks a lot. Steve. I, really, I really appreciate that. I, I didn't realize I was going to come on here to be abused. Well, you actually, you'd... I'm very, I'm very proud of my age. <laughs> you know, if I if I wasn't as old as I was, I wouldn't have had all the experiences I've had to write about. So. And and you know this, but I'll 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 tell it to our listeners. I I am in my late fifties, and I I started this process of trying to become a writer a couple of years ago. So people like you who have done this successfully at later stages in life are my heroes. So I, I thank you for, for being an inspiration to me. I wasn't making fun of you by uh, <laughs> at all. I know that. So anyway, the, the book takes place in Philadelphia. It's similar to, or it begins in Philadelphia. It's yes. got organized crime. It's got drugs. It's got everything. Well, it, yeah, it it really is a um, um, amazing uh, recipe of uh, ma mafia and CIA and and military action. Uh, as you said, it starts in Philadelphia, which, which is really where I started, and uh, um, moves on to uh, New York and Washington D.C. And it, uh, uh, it, I was a little worried when I first wrote it uh, about whether or not I was going to be able to pull together all of these elements. And it, and even if I say so myself, I think it worked out really well. I, I would agree. I, I really enjoyed the book. I really enjoy all of your books. And I've recommended your books to a number of people that like thrillers. And every single person that I've recommended the books to has come back and thanked me. They love your work. This is your seventh book, right? right? And uh, you've written four uh, involving the Danforth family. Correct. And those, that's an ongoing series. Are you working on uh, another of those? I am. Uh, yeah, the, the Danforth saga started with uh, Evil Deeds, which was literally based on the actual kidnapping of our two-year-old son when I was stationed in Greece with the U.S. Army, and uh, then moves through uh, Terror Cell, the Nostradamus Secret, and the Lone Wolf Agenda, which came out last year, and I am now working on the fifth in that series. Any idea when it will release? Probably uh, spring of next year. Okay. Okay. 
Now, this show, the focus of this show is on the business of being an author. And one of the reasons that I was so pleased to have the opportunity to speak with you in the first show is your business background. You come from a big business background. You were in the, uh, you, you worked for a publicly traded uh, mortgage company. You worked at the, at the highest levels. You were a director, uh, an executive. You drove that business from $400 million to $1.5 billion by the time you retired. So that's big business. You've got lots of big business experience. And now you're really, you've retired from that and you're in the ultimate small business, you're an author. How, how have you translated your experience in big business to helping you become successful as an author? An interesting question. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, our uh, mortgage company went from doing $400 million to $5.5 billion a year, and uh, we were in all 50 states. And so from, um, from the standpoint of level of sophistication versus being a, a, an author, obviously there was a great deal more uh, pieces that you had to have your mind and hands around uh, than uh, perhaps a, you, a person has when they're uh, an author. But there is a uh, dramatic similarity between big business and little business. I mean, you still, you've still got the same issues with operations and product development and and uh, sales and marketing and and people management and so forth uh now with your when you're an author you've got fewer people that you have to manage but there's still you, you still have to apply the same kind of discipline i mean if a if a if a writer uh doesn't discipline him or herself to sit down every day and write then you're not doing your job and uh uh, if a, if a writer doesn't understand that marketing is a huge part of the writing business, then uh, I hope they are enjoying the writing because they're never going to enjoy the sales <laughs> side. That's well put. Uh, so it's uh, it, it it you know I think the question is so important because most writers or I should maybe a lot of writers don't understand that writing is not just an art. Writing is a business once you decide that you want your writing to be published. If all you're doing is writing for your own pleasure, then it's an art. But once you, can, once you decide, well, I'm going to do everything I can to have my, my book on bookshelves or uh, in, you know, on, uh, in ebook format or both, then now it's a business. And you'd better understand that it's not just all about the writing itself. And that's, that's a very nice distinction. Uh, for, for beginning writers like me, um, my primary focus is just to produce something that's good and then to be able to do some of these other things. But I, I speak to a number of uh, beginning writers that are even further behind than I am in, in terms of coming along. And a lot of them wonder about things like, when do I need to worry about my author platform? Should I have a website? I don't even have a book yet. And I always encourage them to do so. Would you, would you agree? Absolutely. Uh, especially in this day and age, it, you know, if you don't embrace the technology available to you to market your product, then in effect, you, you know, it's, it's akin to being a buggy whip manufacturer when uh, the automobile came out. It, 
uh, you're just you're going to be behind the eight ball, and ultimately you be you become uh, anachron an an anachronism, uh, and uh, you're not relevant. You're right. Things have, things have changed so much. Um, ten years ago, an, an author would primarily sit in a room and write, and then might occasionally go on a speaking tour or a book signing tour, and or maybe a conference, and meet his readers and fans that way. Uh, it's completely different now. Yeah, it, it really is, and and uh, in many ways it's different bad and in many ways it's different good uh when it's bad in the sense that uh because of the change in dynamics and because we become more of an electronic um industry than a than a face-to-face people industry unfortunately uh an awful lot of bookstores have gone by the wayside and you know for every borders that has closed there have been hundreds of independent bookstores which i think is a is a real shame, but uh, on the other hand, on the good side, um, somebody that's living in—I mean, just just to make it ridiculous—I mean, you could live in Kathmandu and you could you could reach readership all over the world. So it's uh, you know, living in New Mexico, uh, we uh, uh, in a sense I live in the hinterlands, and so uh, how do I get readers in New York and Los Angeles? Uh, and everything in between to uh, find my books and and uh, and how do I get them once they find them and read them to to tell other people about them? Well, there could there's nothing faster than um, than the social media, and I think every author needs to have a Facebook page. They need to have a website. They need to have a blog. They need to Twitter. And they need to have a broadcast email list, and and that's kind of the base. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of other all other things they can do on top of that. But if they don't have that, those five elements as their base, they're really missing an opportunity to market their books. And it's something that publishers will ask them about, or look for, or you know, if if I'm going to submit a manuscript to a publisher, one of the first things they're going to do, or an agent is they're going to look to see what sort of a platform I have. Do I, am I already connected to a thousand people that might buy my book or help to spread the word? And if, if they find nothing for me, they're going to be less interested in my book. Right on. You're absolutely correct. You know, it's interesting, when, when I, my first book came out, my publisher asked me, well, are you prepared to do book signings? And that's about as far as he went. <laughs> and, and today... They, they say, well, okay, in addition to book signings, what conferences are you attending? Uh, I've looked at your Facebook page, and by the way, I think you could spend a little bit more time doing this, and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and uh, uh, obviously it's uh, in both the author's best interest as well as the publisher's best interest if the author is out marketing. Now, this, this had to have been an interesting change for you, to go from being the big cheese in a big business to having people tell you that you might want to do a little bit more work on your Facebook page. Well, uh, I, I assure you that even in a big business, I had people telling me how I should do my job better also. So uh, uh, even if they were wrong, they still had an opinion. And, uh, uh, and, and now, and nothing's really changed. I'm, now I'm a, uh, I'm a big cheese in my own little company. That's so true. I just don't have a lot of people working for me, but... 
I, I've always considered myself extremely fortunate, uh, first of all, to be an American and and then to, to have all the opportunities I've had in this country. And now to be, at, at, uh, after I retired from a finance career, to be able to do what I always wanted to do, and, and that is to write. And uh, so not only am I am amazingly happy about uh, having this opportunity to be an author, I really love the interaction, and despite the fact I'm not running a big company anymore, I have a huge amount of interaction with people, and, and m- most of it's electronic, but, uh, uh, but I still attend book signings, and I still go to conferences, and, and uh, I, I um, speak to, to book clubs and, and writers' conferences and so forth, and, and uh, so the interaction is, is wonderful, and, uh, you know, and, and I think a lot of authors, uh, I've told you this before, Steve, that uh, I think the typical fiction writer is somebody that would just as soon be in a room with no windows, no doors, no people, and surrounded by fictional characters. <laughs> and that, that, that person is missing out on a great deal of, pl- of the real pleasure in this business. And it's not just the writing, it's the reaction you get from readers having read your writing. Now, what you just described, you described going to conferences, book signings, traveling about, meeting people, that, that both falls under marketing, and to a certain extent, conferences are educational as well, so maybe that's product development type things. Right. You, all, you, you mentioned five things that, that were similar between running a large business and running an author business, operations, product development, people management, marketing, and discipline. Um, right. Product development is probably self-explanatory if you're an author. People management's something that we don't really think of because for most authors, we think it's just us, but it's not. We've got editors, cover designers, publishers, um, et cetera, to deal with. How do, you, uh, how, do you, how do you deal with putting together a team of people to help you be the best author you can be? Well, that's a great question. I, uh, you know, when I first... Um decided I would like to get a, a book published, and I started that process of going to conferences and meeting agents and, and so forth, um, I, I leaped at the first opportunity that, uh, that when an agent said, geez, I think I'd like to represent you, I thought, this is great. I, and I, I did almost no due diligence at all about that agent. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just so thrilled to have an agent because as a percentage the percentage of of writers that actually get an agent is very very small compared to total, the total writing and author community, uh, just because there aren't that many to go around. Well, I um, I, I discovered very quickly that uh, unlike the the methods that I employed whenever I hired a a, a vendor uh, in my finance career. We would go through a uh, request for proposal process. We would interview multiple uh, uh, applicants, and we would pick the one that we thought was the best. Well, I completely ignored all of that that, uh, that I'd learned in my previous life and w- leaped at the first opportunity. And it turned out that that was not a good match. I mean, th- th- I think they... They tried, but their primary focus were, were romance books, and, and the, the agent kept trying to get me to put lots of love scenes in, in my uh, thrillers. 
And uh, I finally got fed up and said, look, I only write about what I know and understand, and I don't know anything about love scenes. <laughs> so that made them angry. And so we, we decided to go our own ways. And so the next time, I did an awful lot of research and was fortunate enough to get a, uh, a wonderful agent. Uh, and, and the same thing worked with the, on the publishing side. Uh, I think we are all so excited and so desperate to try and, and align ourselves with uh, or ally ourselves with an agent and a publisher that we often do not do our due diligence. And uh, uh, my publisher now, uh, Suspense Publishing, uh, has made the experience of being an author, being a published author, an amazingly positive experience. And it's... Uh, um, they do all the things, you know, if you sit down and say, well, this is what I want out of a publisher, they do all those things and, without having to cast or, or uh, cajoled into doing doing them. And that's something, uh, Suspense Publishing, or Suspense, yeah, Suspense Publishing is, is not a big five publisher. It's, no. uh, many would consider it to be a small press publisher. They, they also publish Suspense Magazine, right? Correct. So they've got a vast readership for the magazine, and they, they publish books, and they don't have a large group of authors. You're one of a fairly select group. Right. Um, what, how would you advise people to consider different small press publishers before making a choice? Well, uh, first of all, I would say that if, if a person ha has an opportunity to go with a large publishing ha publishing house right out of the right out of the gate then i would not discourage them from doing that i think they will find that they have less control uh, in a relationship with a large house but they also get a huge amount of uh... they get they benefit from that large publishing houses uh... distribution network and and uh marketing efforts and so forth so i think there's a real advantage there if you're in a, at a point uh, as i am where you can kind of you know I, well let me put it this way i decided i wanted to be with a house that would allow me to have some input who had people who were the were people that i really wanted to deal with and so i checked around and talked to a lot of a lot of small presses and uh I finally decided on suspense because they were so excited about representing me. And I think what people need to do is, as with anything they do, is they need to break down the elements of the relationship. So is this small publishing house going to be able to provide the kind of talent when it comes that's needed when it comes to fabricating a book cover? Um, are they technologically savvy? Because God knows I'm not. And so uh, are they going to be able to format correctly? Do they have editing uh, capabilities? What kind of creativity do they bring to the equation? Uh, you know, uh, the Robs at Suspense Publishing are continually coming back to me with, have you thought about contacting this person? Or have you thought about doing an interview here? I think you ought to go to BoucherCon, which I'm going to this year. Um, uh, it's it's that kind of support that that an author needs to be successful. When you go to BoucherCon, you're paying for it. Is that correct? 
That's correct. Okay. And that's something that you do as a marketing expense. That's right. So you'll go there, you'll meet people, you'll meet, um, you'll meet other writers. It, it, it's wonderful to go to conferences just purely f- f- because you, you get out of your normal environment and you, you get to meet with people who are doing the same things that you're doing that understand what you're doing. It's uh, for people who don't go to conferences, uh, they, they really should think about it because it's, it's a wonderful experience and it's typically a, a fairly short one. Well, they're all fairly short, and as you pointed out, and what's, what's really important to remember, Steve, is that if you learn one thing, if you spend two or three days at a conference and you learn one thing that improves your writing, it has been worth it. It would have been worth it at twice the price or ten times the price. And every conference I go to, I learn one thing, whether it's a marketing thing or a technical thing or technically technical writing thing, or it's some, something I pick up that enhances my writing skills and or my marketing skills. And, and that's, that's very important, and it's a great way of looking at it from a business perspective. If you can spend some money and learn something important that's going to make you better at what you do and help you sell more books, then it's certainly worth, it's certainly worth the expense. Now, I, for me, when I go to a, a, a conference, I'm way behind you. I'm, I, I'm hoping to learn 20 things, and I typically do. So I, my mind is exploding by the time I leave with all the, all the different things I've, I've learned from a craft and business perspective. Uh, there are so many different tracks at many of these conferences, and, and you just, you're exposed to things that you didn't really know about or that, that your knowledge was incorrect about. Boy, well said. And, and, and I assure you, too, that I am nowhere at the point where I'm not picking up a whole lot more than one thing. Uh, my, my point was only that if it, all you do is learn one thing, it's been worth your time and money. But, I mean, I went to the Hillerman Conference in Santa Fe, New Mexico last year and attended the pre-conference session that Margaret Cole put on, and I wound up with 10 pages of notes and, and uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of material that, uh, that she lectured about uh, I was able to incorporate in Ultimate Betrayal. Uh, just, it, it's, just, it's just amazing. Um, and it's and it's a wonderful experience to to attend these because you'll meet people that, if nothing else, you'll meet somebody that, uh, a well-known author that'll say, "Oh, I'd love to blurb your next book." And so there's there's real advantages, not just operational and and uh, advantages, but also there are marketing advantages and and interpersonal uh, experiences that uh, will perhaps turn into real friendships down the road. Discipline. Yeah. You mentioned discipline. That's the, the last thing on, on this list of things. Um, what, what are your disciplines? Well, first of all, uh, it is a rare day that I do not write. Sometimes you just need to step away. Uh, as an example, I, in writing the fifth book in the Danforth saga, I'm about two-thirds of the way through, and I, I hit a spot where I thought, you know, I don't like the way where this is going, so I just stepped away for, from it and instead of writing for two days for the next two days i just thought and considered what options i had and and uh, um, and then went back to the book so but generally speaking i write every single day uh... i am on social media 
at least two hours every single day. Um, I, I cannot be an effective and, um, from, from a marketing standpoint, I cannot be an effective or successful author without doing that. Um, I generally talk to at least one person a day, whether it's a reader or a writer, and ask questions, um, talk about the industry, because uh, there's always something, you know, a good friend of mine, Steve Brewer, who's written 27 novels and is, is a wonderful writer, um, Steve is a real student of the, of the business, and so... I can always get something from Steve uh, uh, every time I talk to him about what's going on in the in the publishing industry, or you know what agent is doing what, and, and so forth. So, uh, but th- those are the con- those are the the disciplines, and of course, some some days I'm doing a lot of research in addition to all the other three things I just mentioned. Let's let's dig a little bit deeper into the marketing aspects of it. In, in, in earlier in the interview, you talked about how all of these different things are related. Um, your your website, your blog, your email list, uh, your social media presence—they're uh, all related. They're all important. Uh, I occasionally will talk to people who maybe don't think they need a blog, or maybe don't think they need a an email list, and. and when I hear someone say they don't need an email list, it, it, that just makes me crazy. So I, I always try and talk them out of this. How, what's the importance to you of your email list? Well, uh, I've got uh, several thousand people in a bro- in broadcast email list, and I've got those people um, organized in actually in separate sub-email lists by geographic area. And I do that because if I'm going to be in New York and want to do a book signing, then obviously I don't need to send 3,000 people across the country news that I'm going to New York. But um, uh, an email list I see as your core support group. Those are your, your fans and your friends and your family that uh, when, when you have a book coming out and you tell them about that book, they're the first people to know about it, even before the book's out. And hopefully, uh, and what you do is you encourage those people. Uh, I mean, one of the things you learn in, in uh, marketing is that shameless self-promotion is, is uh, one of the things you've got to do. And so what I do is I tell those people that, for instance, Ultimate Betrayal is, is coming out in six weeks and, and uh, you know, you can, you'll be able to find it in, in your local bookstore and, and, or on Amazon or, and, you know, so forth. And then I encourage them to tell their friends. And then just before the book comes out, I contact them again. And after it's out, I contact them again. Uh, I, I'm judicious about the number of emails I sent out because you, you don't want to be, become a shill for this stuff to the point that you're obnoxious. But, um, but that that email list was literally the kind of the the backbone of your entire marketing effort, and then all these other things you mentioned, Steve, like your blog, uh, like a Facebook page, Twitter, and and so forth. All of these things are additive. I mean, as you said, they're interconnected, but one doesn't work without the other, in my opinion. And, and so they're they're interconnected in that sense. But unless you do them all then you're, you've got these huge gaps in your marketing plan. 
So that's a great point, Joe. And and you also have a blog, but you don't blog every day. You blog once a month, but it's a regular blog in an area that supports your writing. Uh, tell us about your blog. Yeah, uh, I've been writing my blog for a couple years now, and as you said, it comes out monthly, and it's called Everyday Heroes. And uh, what I wanted to do was I wanted to write about something that uh, was related to my my uh, the theme in my writing, and my, the theme in my writing is that, as I mentioned earlier when we were talking about uh, ultimate betrayal, uh, the my hero is typically an ordinary person who does uh, ultimately does something extraordinary, and so I write every single month about real life people. Uh, who are just ordinary, real-life people who do extraordinary things. For instance, let's take this young man that uh, was awarded the Medal of Honor by President Obama last week. Uh, here's a kid from the South who uh, was just an ordinary person, an ordinary American. And what he did was extraordinary. And so, so I'm not promoting my writing or my books in that blog, but I'm promoting a concept. So that blog, the subject of my blog, is about everyday heroes. So is is the underlying theme of my books. And, and one of the things that you do so well is branding yourself in this way, because that blog it does it it never promotes your books. It's always about another person, but it's all part of your brand because your books are like this, your Facebook posts are like this, your blog is like this. It all, this is that interconnected thing that, that you were talking about earlier, that we were talking about earlier, and it all supports your brand. So this is something that you thought about and obviously spent a lot of time thinking about before launching all of this. You're absolutely correct. And, and, and Everybody listening to this program needs to focus on what you just said. It's about brand. And, and you know, you'll hear uh, authors talk a lot about voice. But, you know, they forget about brand. You know, you need to have your own voice when it comes to your writing. But you'd better brand yourself, and everything needs to be, back to your point about inter interconnectivity, everything needs to be interconnected by some theme. So if you're writing romance novels, then maybe your blog on a monthly basis needs about to be about love stories, uh, real-life love stories, uh, uh, you know, about whether it's a father and a son, a mother and a daughter, a man and a wife, whatever. It, uh, you need, I think it makes a lot of sense to have a theme that kind of carries over from the blog to the books and and and. and vice versa. As an aside, uh, as an aspiring writer myself or someone who's, who's new to the business, I spend a lot of time reading the blogs of other writers. And almost inevitably, other writers blog about writing. And I, I don't really understand that because if, you know, their potential audience is not aspiring authors. It's the people that like romances or thrillers or uh, comedies or suspense books or, or whatever. I see very few authors that do what you do, that have, that have a blog that ties specifically to their brand. 
we all talk about what we know, and if you study and know writing, then it's, it's great to do that, but you're not going to find more readers that way. Well, I, I agree with you completely. I, I think if you're a writing coach, then your blog should be about writing. Um, you know, I, I, I could see, and I, I do see a lot of authors' blogs where they, what they write about are their experiences on the road. And I think that's great, but to, but to write about, um, but you know, if, if you're a, a mystery writer and you're and you're telling other people how to write, uh, you're probably you're probably talking, the, you're you're giving a lecture about the wrong thing to the wrong people. So it's, uh, uh, I think people need to have a blog, but I think they need to be very careful about its construction, its frequency. I, I did not want to do a daily blog, A, because I didn't have the time, and B, because I didn't want to bore people to death. People don't want to hear from you every single day. Just like even a, your best friend doesn't want to get a phone call from you every single day. That's a great point. And uh, there, are, there are people who tra- – I mean, there's a rule of thought that says you should blog every day. But I, I completely agree. It, it's Unless you're a really fast, clean writer – it takes a little while to construct a blog post. And well, and I tell you, I tell you, excuse me, Steve. I, uh, what else? I think people that Facebook post every single day on subjects that are personally interesting to them are not necessarily interesting to all of their Facebook friends. I think are making a terrible mistake. But you know, I'll, I'll give you an example of somebody that uh, I really enjoy uh, reading and. Uh, reading his books as well as reading his Facebook postings is Craig Johnson, who's who writes the Longmire series. Mm-hmm. He just fin- recently finished a uh, book tour in France, and I guess the Longmire books have just taken off in France. And so every single day he had a picture of some cathedral or or you know some uh, old building uh, or, or some marketplace or something in France where he was doing a signing. And that was kind of fun to follow. But when the tour was over, you know, you stop getting, you know, you can just put up with just so much from France, too. But Craig just did it beautifully. And, and last year, I remember it was around the, I, I follow him as well, and it was around the time that they were wrapping up the, the season for the TV show. He was, right. he was on, uh, on the set. And he had pictures with uh, the actors, and, and I found that interesting as well, and that fit in beautifully with his brand. And, you know, yep. if, if only we could all have TV series based on our work, we, <laughs> that, that life, would, life would be easier. We'd, we'd have more interesting things to post about on Facebook. Yes, we would. But, you know, the thing that all of us need to keep in mind is think about what happens by the end of a political campaign mm. and where a candidate has had huge overexposure and how the, the only thing we really want is for the ads and the speeches and the interviews to stop. Well, that's kind of the way people's rea- people react to overexposure on Facebook or blog postings or whatever. Now, we've spent a lot of time talking about marketing through social media and blogs. We, we spend a little bit of time talking about conferences. You've just recently released a book, and I know you're a big believer in book signings. So explain your rationale behind uh, book tours, book signing, and, and what you hope to gain from that as an author. 
Well, first of all, the, the real value of a book signing is you get to know the staff in the bookstore. And if, if they, and, and if you spend time uh, getting to know them and finding out what they're thinking, uh, hopefully they will like you enough that they will hand sell your books when people come in. Um, now, I also, I don't do a book signing that I can't self-promote. So if I don't, if I don't have a lot of contacts within a certain community, I usually don't do a book signing because I want to be able to have a good turnout. It makes me feel better. It makes the bookstore feel better. And it's kind of fun to have a group of people there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, the, the primary purpose is to get the staff to get to know you and get to know your writing so they will hand sell because th- that will create sales in perpetuity. Um, second of all, I uh, really focus on independent bookstores. Uh, I, l- I love the small stores like Bookworks in Albuquerque or Collected Works uh, in Santa Fe, Treasure House Books, for instance, uh, in Old Town, Albuquerque. Those, those stores know how to put on an event. Uh, they've learned, they learned a long time ago that they're not just in the book selling business, they're in the entertainment business. So they're always, they've always got some kind of event going on. Some, uh, they do a great job in promoting those events to their uh, customers and so forth. But I, in all honesty, I've actually cut down on the number of book signings I do uh, because they are just not as effective as they used to be because more and more people are, are buying books uh, electronically. Mm-hmm. So, again, I'm very judicious about where I go. And the bookstores, for instance, I just mentioned, uh, I wouldn't. Th- that's the first thing I do before the book is even out on, on in electronic form. I will do a book signing at those locations. Now we talked previously, and at that time you told me that you actually you do see a bump in sales. You see a bump in digital sales after a book signing. I do. So it's not just the physical books that you're able to sell and and sign while you're there, but there are always going to be people who will say, "Oh, you know, the physical book's fifteen dollars, and I can probably get it for seven online. So I'll I'll wait and get it online." And and that's great. You're selling another book. Yeah, and I, I think if if you have a good message and and you have a good presentation of that message, uh, there are a variety of ways that an author can benefit sales, and it's not just attending book signings uh, or doing electronic media. I do a lot of speaking. Mm-hmm. I spoke I spoke to a Rotary Club recently at 250 members. Uh, immediately after that, I saw a bump in sales. And what's interesting is that the, that bump continued. Uh, it wasn't just a one-time bump, because as people bought the first book and liked it, then they bought the second book and so forth. Um, I, and I, I love getting up in front of groups, and that's very difficult for a lot of people, but I would encourage all authors to attend book clubs, even if there's only eight or ten people there. Um, again, it's back to my point earlier about things are additive. You know, the more you do, the more the more that uh, the more benefits you get out of them. And it's not just the uh, the person sees you speak, buys a book, likes it, and buys say the other six in in your in your catalog of books, they're also telling their friends. And if they tell 10 friends, three of those friends may buy the books, two of them may love them, and tell 10 more friends. 
Well, uh, uh, you're absolutely correct. And just like you started out this interview by mentioning that you had told a lot of people about my books. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the only criticism I would have, Steve, is why haven't you told a million people about my books? <laughs> I just don't know enough people. I spent too much time in front of my computer, and I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> let's, you know, get, let's get working there, Steve. I need that help. Well, I think we've, we've taken about all the time we can with this. Is there, is there one last piece of advice you'd like to uh, leave authors with that, uh, that you could share? Well, it, 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 perhaps this is redundant, Steve, but I, uh, again, I would encourage all, all writers, if they want to become authors, to focus on what it takes to be an author. Obviously, you better put out a good product, because if you don't put out a good product, you may sell the first book, but there's not going to be any sales for the second. But, mo but they got to remember it's a business, and it's not just an art. And if they don't focus on that, um, maybe they'll get a lot of pleasure out of the art side, but they're not going to get a lot of pleasure out of the sales side. Yeah, and it, it ties back into what you said at the beginning of the interview about the difference between it being a hobby and something that you're doing for pleasure and a business. That's right. So people can find you online, your, your website, and we'll link all this up in the show notes. And I, I also, I'm going to ask you via email later for links to those bookstores that you mentioned. But uh, your website is josephbadalbooks.com, B-A-D-A-L-Books.com. Uh, they can find your Everyday Heroes blog from there. You're on Facebook. You're on Twitter. You're very accessible. Uh, I would encourage people to sign up for your email list. Uh, one last question about email list before we go. Uh, when you do these live events, do you encourage people to do – you, do you try and collect email addresses so that you can reach out to people later? Ab absolutely, and, and that's why my, uh, my email list today is in the 3,000s, when, whereas when I started, it was only in the couple hundreds. Um, and, and I always ask people, is it okay if I add you to my broadcast list? Uh, I won't inundate you with uh, things, but I will tell you when I'm going to have a signing in your area or when my next book is coming out. And I think that's great. It's just marketing, 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 and it's, it's, it's really it's, it's like building a house. You, you've got to put the foundation in first, and you've got to do all these little things every step along the way. Correct. Joe, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and uh, I hope people will check out your books if they are not already fans of yours. From your lips to God's ears, Steve. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Please join me again next week when my guest will be Darren Wearmouth, an independent author whose initial book, First Activation, released in August of last year, has sold 60,000 copies since then. By November, Darren was able to quit his technology job and is now a full-time author. He's a data-driven guy and a self-professed geek, and he shares a lot of information on how we can learn from the numbers that are available to us through Amazon and other technology sites. So that's a wrap for Episode 1. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions, I'd love to hear from you. Please send me an email at authorbiz, A-U-T-H-O-R-B-I-Z, at gmail.com. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. If you'd like to find out more about the podcast, including past episodes, you can visit the website at www.theauthorbiz.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. 
If you have comments or suggestions for the show, you can leave them at the site or you can ping me on Twitter. I'm at Steve Campbell FL. Please join us again next week for another informative episode. 